my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. On a number of occasions, people have called into the program and they've asked, do you think or could Donald Trump run as a third party candidate? And my stock reply has been, I don't think he can do it if he has first run as a Republican. You know, he can't all of a sudden decide that in August before the general election, now he's going to do something different because of sore loser laws. I think he'd be precluded from doing so. I've always qualified that opinion. Um, Now I need not qualify it because it's been written about in no less than the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy under the headline, If You Ain't First, You're Last. And one of the co-authors of this piece, which is now going into all of my social media, we actually posted the uh, the report itself, it's gotten a lot of attention, but we posted the report itself a couple of days ago at Smirconish.com. One of the co-authors is Jason Torshinsky, who joins me now. He is a practicing attorney, a graduate of the College of William and Mary, where he also serves as an adjunct professor. Uh, counselor, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, first question, Holtzman, Vogel, Baron, Torshinsky, and is it Josephiak? Josephiak, yep. Joseph, how does the phone get answered? Uh, Holtzman Vogel. Aha. Uh-huh. And why? And why have you resisted the temptation to go to simply one name? When I was in law school, I clerked at Dilworth, Paxson, Kalish, and Kaufman. I later joined Beasley, Casey, Collarin, Herbstein, Thistle, and Klein. And yes, there was a receptionist who would pick up the phone and say, "Hello, Beasley, Casey, Collarin, Herbstein, Thistle, and Klein." And everybody has now gone to, like, one branding name. But you've resisted. We have. Our uh, our managing partner who founded our firm uh, ran for the Virginia State Senate, and her maiden name was very, very well known in her district area. And she married our other partner, Alex Vogel. And for a long time, she went by both names. And so because she founded the firm and she married another one of our partners, um, we've kind of kept the two names. I predict that that pendulum, I'm going to get to sore loser laws, I promise, but I predict that pendulum is going to swing. Like Price Waterhouse Coopers and it's just PwC. The whole corporate and legal world have gone in this direction, but I think it's going to go back to where it used to be. Maybe I'll be wrong. Sore loser laws have always fascinated me. Why did you undertake this responsibility with your co-authors? Well, in large part because, you know, you listen to the news and you hear Donald Trump saying or suggesting or his allies suggesting that he might take that path if he doesn't win the Republican nomination. So I 
have been aware of sewer leisure laws for a long time and wanted to figure out how they might apply here if he actually tries to do it. What's the motive behind? What's the thinking, the idea behind having a sore loser law? So the idea behind a sore loser law is that primaries are supposed to kind of sort out who a party's nominee is going to be. And the, the concept behind it is you don't want people who are just grumpy that they didn't win a primary to say, okay, well, now I'm going to rush the general anyway. Um, and that was kind of the initial concept behind it, you know, 100 years ago when they first started adopting these. And 100 years ago, I would have agreed with it. But in the partisan environment in which we live today, there are many times where I think to myself, candidate X who just lost in a Democratic primary to a very progressive candidate or in a Republican primary to a very conservative candidate. Geez, it's a shame they're not on the ballot in the fall because maybe as a third party candidate they could win. But if you're in a state like mine, which is the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you'd be precluded from doing so. So I, I look okay. at it as a maybe maybe as a lost opportunity for a compromise candidate. You know, that that may be. But the problem is, frankly, you have the Republican and Democratic parties in control of the ballot access laws in most states. And right. in most cases benefits the, you know, the two major parties. And so getting, you know, seeking any change in these kinds of laws would be very difficult. Sore loser laws, or maybe I should say sore loser restrictions, come in different forms. You report that nearly every state now has some type of one of these restrictions. Explain. So there are different ways to prevent a, a quote, sore loser from running, right? You've got kind of express provisions. We have what's called a, a disaffiliation requirement where you can't have been associated with a, one party if you want to run as another party or as an independent Sometimes the deadlines for independent candidates are prior to the political party's primaries. Um, so there's a number of different ways that you can effectively bar a primary candidate who doesn't win in a primary from running in a general. But when you apply it to president, it's a little different because, right, the, the Washington, you know, primary process doesn't decide the either major party's nomination, right? In fact, I think it was Hillary Clinton lost Oklahoma, for example, in the Democratic primary in 2016, but obviously was the party's nominee in the fall and obviously appeared on the ballot in Oklahoma. So, you know, there's a the application of sore loser laws to presidential candidates because of how presidential candidates are selected at national party conventions is a little unique and different from just an in-state application of a sore loser law, where if you were running for the Senate in Pennsylvania, you would be subject just to your state's law. This is, Jason, this is Jason Torshinsky. He's from Holtzman Vogel. He's a partner there. They're a Washington, D.C.-based law firm. He's also an adjunct professor at the College of William and Mary. So the states run our federal elections. In a, in a particular state that has a sore loser law, does it necessarily apply to all different types of campaigns or only to the state races. I'm trying to understand if there could be a law in the books that might apply to the, the state Senate, but not to the presidential. Yes. And in fact, that's true in some states because some states expressly don't include the presidential primary process in their sore loser laws. So when we went through, we narrowed it down to only 28 of the states that clear where the sore loser laws clearly apply to presidential candidates. Interesting. There's a whole bunch more, another 20 or so that have sore loser laws that 
apply to other offices, but we determine don't apply to the presidential candidates. I'm going to ask you in a, in a moment about Donald Trump in particular, but but just to, to further flesh out the subject of sore loser laws in general, who is Richard Winger in this context? Um, Richard Winger is a, is sort of a, a ballot access expert. He, um, he runs a blog called Ballot Access News, uh, and he particularly is interested in ballot access for uh, third parties um, and independent candidates. It's, it's something that's been a, a personal passion of his for a long time. And he's been, he's not a lawyer, but he really does sort of closely monitor what's happening in the courts and what's happening around the country for, uh, for third parties and for independent candidates. So uh, he has apparently he's come to, the, he's come to the conclusion that sore loser laws applicable to presidential candidates are only in South Dakota and Texas. Do you concur? Does your work concur with that observation? No, we come to a very different conclusion. His work was based on looking at whether somebody that had run in a party primary ultimately appeared on a general election ballot. He didn't look at the law. He didn't look at the statutes. He didn't look at regulations. He only looked to identify precedent where he could find someone that was included but wasn't. And to, to your point, right, we're in a different environment than when, say, John Anderson sought the Republican nomination in 1980 and then sought independent ballot access uh, later, right? We're in a different environment now than we were 50 years or 40 years ago when that happened. So I think that, you know, things that might have been overlooked in a different era would be looked at very, very closely um, you know, if if Donald Trump actually sought sore loser access as a so, as a third party or independent. so game it game it out for me as it applies to Donald Trump. Can Donald Trump run as an independent or third party candidate? Um, he could try, but you know, if he got you know, assuming that we're right on the twenty eight states and he obtained ballot access in every state where either a sore loser law doesn't apply or where there was unclear application and he won every one of those states where he won in either 16 or 20, he'd only win 81 electoral votes, and you need 270 to win. Um, looking overall, if you were to look just across the country, the 28 states that we've identified as states where uh, presidential candidates would, would face this sore loser problem, they would, he would be denied ballot access in states that accumulate a total of 290 electoral votes, again, more than the majority that you would need to win. So there is there is no way under this math that Donald Trump could actually win the presidency as a third party candidate. And just so I'm being clear, Jason, with the audience, nothing would preclude Donald Trump from today announcing a third party candidacy, announcing that he's running libertarian or announcing that he's running as an independent so long as he can go and get himself on all those ballots and stays out of the Republican primaries. What we're talking about is sore loser laws. Can he run as a Republican and then try and throw a monkey wrench into the process once that process has concluded, meaning the nomination process? Um, I think his window for trying that is rapidly closing. Why? Um, and the reason that I say that is because a number of states have um, disaffiliation rules or filing deadlines that are going to come up in the next six to nine months. I think there's... 20-some-odd states that have filing deadlines for the Republican primaries uh, that will occur actually in 2023, and another 20 or so states whose deadlines aren't until 2024. But if you think about it, because of the way all of the requirements that are set up to run an election, 
the states that are having their primaries in late February or early March have to settle their ballots by late December or early January so that they can get them printed and get them mailed to voters in time to meet all of the federal requirements. So his his window to make a change is going to close rapidly. And, you know, particularly in states that have some disaffiliation requirements, like, for example, Pennsylvania, um, he signed it. He filed a declaration of candidacy with the FEC that's declared himself a candidate for the Republican nomination. So even though he hasn't filed anything with the state yet, he certainly has filed with the Federal Election Commission. Has the Supreme Court of the United States, has the Supreme Court of the United States ever looked at the applicability of sore loser laws to presidential elections? No, Uh, but they've looked at it as applied to other elections and lower courts have applied it to presidential candidates. Hmm. I wonder how that would go if they did take a look at it. You know, the, the. Courts have typically given the states a lot of leeway to have various various ballot access rules. Um, And so I I think the court would probably not prohibit it. Uh, I'd be very surprised if the court were to take a different view than the lower courts have taken on this. So give give me the the takeaway as it relates to your research and analysis of sore loser laws and the impact that they would have on a presidential race. And I'm going to ask you one follow-up. I think the bottom line is if you're running for president and you lose a major party primary or you're not the winner in a major party primary and you try to run as an independent later, you cannot get on the ballot in enough states to get you an electoral college majority. Got it. And, And this work seeks to be the sort of definitive answer Uh, on that issue. Here's my final question, because this is what I'm going to inquire of the audience in just a moment. Would you give me an argument for and against sore loser laws in the abstract? Sure. The argument for sore loser laws is, right, we have party nominations for a reason. The parties get to choose their nominee, and then that, that individual is held out as the party's standard bearer. Uh, The argument against it is you deny general election voters who don't participate in the party primaries, uh, you know, kind of a a role there. Um, So I think there's two sides of a coin. It's how much do you believe in the party nomination process versus how much should you just have kind of a like we have in California or in Washington, sort of an all in primary and the top two or top four or however many go on to the general election ballot. Um, I think it's a question of how much policy stock you put in the role of of party primaries. Hey, Jason, that was really well presented, and I'm very appreciative. So thank you for your time. No problem. Jason Torshinsky, he is a partner at Holtzman Vogel, based in Washington, D.C. He's an adjunct professor at the College of William and Mary. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Okay, there it is. Like, there it is. You got the answer. Can Donald Trump come back, come back and run as an independent or third party candidate? No, is the answer. He would be precluded on too many ballots. What what had heretofore, what had heretofore been regarded as the kind of definitive word said, "Mm, South Dakota and Texas, this is the work of Richard Winger, who said that South Dakota and Texas would preclude that, but probably only South Dakota and Texas. Although, you know, good question. Could Trump ever win without the electoral votes of Texas, no. But now this, these lawyers have taken a long, hard look at all the states and they say, mm, actually, it would apply to 28 different states. 28 different states have a sore loser law or restriction that would preclude anybody, anybody from coming back and running. And by the way, with regard to Trump of the 28, he won 20 of them. So it's not like they're 28 blue states, right? No, no, no. 20 20 of the 28, he won. So now comes the, 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 the difficult task, because I'm going to ask you, this is in the news and gets discussed because of Trump. Everybody wants to know, can Trump do that? I don't know if Trump knows the answer that we just got. I presume by now he does, right? He must. Somebody had to have told him. Okay, is it possible to put Trump off to the side and instead to talk about sore loser laws, because I, I don't like them. I don't like them because I think where 42 percent or thereabout of the country identify as an I and where you've got nine states, including my own, that are closed primary states. A person in my position doesn't get to pass judgment, doesn't get to, uh, to, to vote for candidates like Dave McCormick who was the Republican candidate for the Senate running against Mehmet Oz, or Connor Lamb, who was the congressman running against John Fetterman in in my Democratic Senate primary. Now, you can say to me, well, Michael, you could go vote for Connor Lamb or Dave McCormick. Just go register as an R or a D. I don't want to be an R or a D. I want to be an I. And I'd like to still have a seat at the table where a plurality of Americans identify in the way that I do. 
I, I think the way you get to, I mean, I, we can talk about ranked choice. We've talked about it in the past. I, I'm not against that. I'd like to see more ranked choice voting. But the way you could get more moderates elected, I think, is by not having sore loser laws. The problem is when I say let's get rid of sore loser laws, many of you are saying, oh, no, that's going to help Donald Trump. But, you know, it, it's Trump today, but it's a bigger issue. It's a bigger issue. So my vote at Smirconish.com. Let's see. How is the poll question worded? Should candidates who lose in a primary be permitted to run in the same general election as an independent or third party? Mine is a yes vote. And I expect to lose like I normally do in my own poll questions. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Well, 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 well. I'm about to be shown up by the audience again. This is Arlen driving through Kansas. Go ahead, Arlen. Ask your excellent question that I should have asked of the guest. What's going to keep Trump from requesting his voters to write him in as the during the election just to write in? Yeah, or framed framed more succinctly, do sore loser laws preclude? The write-in election Correct. of someone yeah. who appeared in the primary. I, I would, I would think. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna ask my guests just to be uh, buttoned up on this, and I'll report back to the audience. I, I mean, you're if you're not on the ballot and you're written in and you win in the fall, I think you could be written in in the fall. Correct. That's what I was thinking as well. That he could just say, "Hey, people, write me in. Write my name right. in." Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I I should have pursued this. It's a it's really great. Thank you so much for for raising that. I will get a definitive answer commonsensically, I think. 
that where you haven't been on the ballot in the general, you could be written in even if you were a candidate previously. But I I want to I want to be fact checked on that. I want to be fact checked on that. Uh, Glenn, Canton, Ohio. Greetings. Hi. Hi, Michael. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm just wondering if any candidate uh, who is a sore loser could end up taking enough of the electoral votes from the Republican or Democratic nominee that the constitutional process could play out and still give that loser the presidency. Meaning where the Supreme Court of the United States has not heard this issue as it applies to a presidential election, could somebody just go and nevertheless draw it all out and and cloud the circumstance? Yeah, if no one hits the threshold to win the presidency out, what is the what is the process for choosing the president? But I would I would think if you had somebody let let's let's just think for a moment. Let's just think. So uh, Trump runs. I hate to always put it in Trumpian terms because that poisons the well. But OK, Trump runs, does not get the nomination. Instead, Ron DeSantis wins the nomination and Trump now wants to run and is attempting to get on states where he previously appeared in the primary and the states won't let him on. I think that goes right to the Supreme Court and there's a determination before we ever get to the fall. Got it. Again, just doing the best that I can, spitballing and providing answers. Daniel, you're in Charlotte, South Carolina. What's your answer to today's poll question? Here's the way that it's worded. Should candidates who lose in a primary be permitted to run in the same general election as an independent or third party? What do you say? Well, before I answer that, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Don't 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 mix us up with with Charlotte, North Carolina. So okay, Paul, did I say did I did I say uh, okay? You're in the Low Country. Lo, the Low Country are my people, TC. The Low Country are your people. I yes. need to go Charleston, do a, South a, an Carolina. event. I want to do an event in the Low Country. You should definitely do an event in the Low Country. I, I approve of that. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. You're going to go I, solve the whole I thing. Also, and I voted yes on this. Um, you know, any any just because how far on the extremes to political parties I've gotten. I agree with you, uh, Michael. I'm an independent. I really don't have a vote, even though we have an open process here in South Carolina. It's it. We need more people running. And example for Trump, and I know we don't like to use Trump, but if Trump runs, he's going to split the Republican vote and the Democrats going to get elected in this case. Will that always happen in the future? Maybe, maybe not. But listen, if you want to run, if you want to put the resources out there, by all means do it. I mean, if people really want to make this a referendum on Trump, then they they should be voting yes. If you don't like Trump, you should be voting yes, because it would boost his opportunity to run in the fall and therefore pull votes from another Republican candidate. I think instead people are just looking like they don't want to give Trump anything. I'm looking beyond Trump. Trump is the exception to how this would be applied. 100 percent. I agree with you on this. So and come to the low country. I'll be one of the first to buy your tickets. Uh, you're nice to say that. There's demand. Daniel will to, be with me. I have me. to say, maybe it's because of the Murdoch trial, but we have had quite it's a true. few South Carolina it callers so lately. True. It and is so and true. Every single one is an opportunity for you to say, are you calling from the low country? Just because you like have, to say that. Have you ever had a low country boil or been to a low country boil? No. Got to say boil. Oh, no. say right. man. Do I drink it or eat it? Wait, eat wait. It. How do you how do you say it? TC, did I miss that right? Oh, no, no, ball. no. You just have to say it with the accent, like oh, ball. okay. Ball. Well, 
Yes, a low country boil is uh, is where they put um, you know shrimp and uh, rice and potatoes you would and love corn it like and rice into one pot. Okay, uh, I like this, all and, of those things. Yep, several other things in there too. I'm no expert, but I've eaten plenty of them. And then they they cook it, and it's a one pot thing. They cook it uh, outside over a, like a big propane burner. You drink some beer while you're cooking it, and then you dump the entire pot along the length of an entire table on uh, paper, uh, like a paper uh, tablecloth, and then you just pick with your hands and eat. Here's and usually some awesome. sausages are thrown in. Here's so the, here's the event that I want to stage in the Low Country. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Ready? Yep. I want to I want to moderate a conversation, a postmortem. Although I guess they'd have to probably. Nah, I'm thinking would they have to oh. wait for the appellate process to run its course? What are you doing? I, I want to moderate a conversation where I have Creighton Waters, mm. the prosecutor, sure. mm-hmm. and Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin. I love and, it. And I'm and I'm moderating a you know okay yep. it's, it's over now. People would be there mm-hmm. for that. and they and they tell trial stories. You would love that. And then you finish it with a low country boil, or during yeah. during at, Dan. Yep, at a yeah, brewery and a, and a, in South and a, Carolina and a bourbon mm-hmm. and a beer for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All of the above. Yeah. All right. Good. Good call. I love it. Let's yeah. get that scheduled. Right. The events. Uh, team ladies will be on and it. gentlemen. <laughs> This is really interesting. I'm so grateful to this audience and to these callers that that we can have such a what I regard as an interesting conversation about uh, an important issue. It's it's bigger than Trump. Sore loser laws never have just isolated on this on the POTUS channel to talk about it up until now, although it's been on my mind. Uh, Lindsay in Connecticut. Greetings. What did you most want to say? Yeah. Hey, Michael. Um, I'm wondering if there's sort of a a game game theory tactical uh, opportunity for Trump uh, to use again. Um, if early on, let's say he loses New Hampshire, let's say he then loses South Carolina, he sees the polls for Super Tuesday to be looking pretty bleak. Um, does he? Uh, I mean, subject to all those various states uh, disaffiliation uh, rules, you know, the timing of, of disaffiliation. Does he possibly just with can he possibly withdraw from say ohio pennsylvania the big states that are later in the process so that he can then run uh, we we know it's not going to be effective he'll just be a classic uh you know spoiler but does it give him some wiggle room to uh enter the uh, third party I, candidacy I think, in those I states th- i think only to make mischief I think only to make yeah. mischief. Ne- he would not be able to put together enough electoral votes because there are 28, oh. there are 28 states, according to my guest and the research that, that he and his, his colleagues put into this, there are 28 states that would have a sore loser law precluding a presidential candidate who ran in the primary from running in the general. And what you're saying is, let's say that on the Republican side of the aisle, New Hampshire and Iowa still go first. It doesn't go well for Trump. He realizes the handwriting's on the wall. He gets out and then tries to come back third party just as a spoiler. I I think that there would be a number of states that he would also be precluded from running and he could only run as a as a troublemaker, not as one who could win. Yep. Good point. And um, the the right also the right. The the caller that talked about the right ends, I think it's also the it's a spoiler scenario because 
even if uh, either they count the votes, which means those are presumably Republican votes that are taken away from DeSantis or whomever may be the the nominee, um, or they are ultimately disallowed, and those are voters that would have possibly you know, voted for DeSantis, those yep. ballots are thrown away. Either way, it's a spoiler situation. And whoever the whether it's Biden or the whoever the Democratic nominee is going to win that state. Right. Well, if I would think that somebody who I would think that somebody who would vote for Trump as a spoiler, ah, maybe I'm wrong about this. If, if if you would come out in the fall and vote for Trump, knowing mathematically he cannot win. If Trump didn't appear on the ballot, were you otherwise even coming out to vote? I don't think that you you would if your if your mindset is is such. But I don't know. These are interesting questions. The Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.